Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the Wisdom Cricket Weekly Podcast. There hasn't actually been a whole lot of international cricket played in the past week, but we're not going to let that stop us, and there has been plenty of off-field action, including hirings, firings, transfers, bans, and some amusing injuries. Later in the show, I'm going to be joined by none other than Kumar Sangakara. But first, a guest who's much more than just a warm-up act for the big man, Wisdom staff writer and general manager of the Mock Oval Invincibles team, Taha Hashim. Hello Taha, what's your moment of the week? Uh, hi Ben, um, oh, thanks for that. Thanks for that intro. I don't know how Kumar's going to follow me up. <laughs> um, my moment of the week was being sat alongside you yesterday at the uh, the mock hundred draft. A, a, a bunch of journalists were invite invited to Lords to um, sort of pretend to be GMs. You know, I mean, pretend to be head coaches and and uh, test out the uh, the software that they're going to be using on on Sunday when they actually have the live draft. And uh, you know, we made quite a few quite a few picks and. Uh, it was it was good fun. Yeah, as 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 well as the software, it's just kind of. I mean, I'd probably done less research than some others. I saw that some had picked out fifty-seven names before the draft, and that this is just this is just for a mock thing. Uh, but it was good to get an idea of actually just how it will all work. And I think until you go through it, you don't really realise some of the trends that are going to come up. So it feels from having done it, like the first rounds are probably going to be dominated by overseas players. Yeah, because for those first couple of picks i mean you, you have to spend 125 grand um even if that player is not um even if a player you want isn't 125 grand. yeah the, the reserve price can be lower but yeah if they select in the first round then they'll be you'll be paying them that much exactly yeah. so i think the trend that we saw was that people are going to go for those big big names mm. um so you know your first first pick that we saw was rashid khan um, our first pick was was David Warner. Yeah, um, one I was I was I was very happy with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, we we definitely started strong. I think that the reserve price psychology is an interesting one because I think it's almost always been better to like give yourself reserve price. There are there's so many players in this draft and actually not that many slots available, and especially with overseas players going 
early. So the, the highest reserve price for any English player is 60,000, whereas the highest for an overseas player is 125,000. And I think you saw with Sandeep Lamachan getting picked up, having put himself at reserve price of 100k, I think that probably did have an influence, just making people look down that list and see, oh, he's there. And hopefully, come the actual draft, there'll be more research than us. But that could happen. Even someone like, is it, is it Gareth Hart put himself at 40k? Yeah, and there's someone right. you wouldn't even think about, like, oh, do I do I want Gareth Hart? And uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's... Uh, it's an interesting one. I think also it's going to be it's going to be a, a could be a tetchy watch. I think judging from uh, from how we got on. I mean, we're we're two quite quite sanguine characters, aren't we? But we, yeah, uh, I mean, like we didn't, we didn't come to almost come to blows, but you know there was a few disagreements. Yeah, things got a bit weird about you know when we started talking about Adam Rosington. Yeah, yeah, no, um, I know, still, I still you, can't hear that name without I know, I breaking know into really a cold sweat. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think the most important thing from the draft, or the most noticeable thing, was the um, the mock draft. Sorry, was the uh, technical problems that we saw. Uh, like there was a few small things, like people's individual computers freezing or players not being able to be picked for a time. You had to refresh it, and that was also out. But there was about an hour where the mock draft had to be stopped because they were sorting some things out, and Hopefully this will allow them to sort it out, whatever problems those are. But you really hope something like that doesn't afflict the yeah. Well, they'll the be having on Sunday. They'll be having another dress rehearsal at the Sky Sports Studios on Friday. Okay, um, that will actually involve the head coaches. Um, I don't know how that's going to go down. Whether whether they'll actually you know do the picks that they actually want and and you know people have sort of an insight of what's going to go down on Sunday. That's fascinating. So you could have uh, Trent Rockets pick first and like, oh yeah, we'll go for Glenn Maxwell. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And they're in the in the mock draft in their actual mock draft, and then Sunday it, totally switch it around. Yeah, wow, that's Carter, great. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, um, cool. There was actually a little bit of international group played this week: India and South Africa. Test between them was decided. India claimed an unassailable two 0 lead. Virat Kohli made his Test best score, his first two hundred and fifty in Tests. They're very, very good. And it didn't really seem like number one playing number three in the world, is it? It's really India, Daylight and then the rest, isn't it? I mean, that's what happens when, when you tour India. Mm-hmm. Um, this decade, I believe the only side that's gone to India and won a test series is is England back in 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 a horrifying proposition for an away side to, to go to India and try and tackle their spinners, the heat, and then, of course, the relentless batsmanship of first you had wrote Sharma in that first test twin tons you have Mayank Agarwal who's who's you know nailing it as a test open now and then of course Virat Kohli breaking his own records his highest test score um an obscene amount of double centuries um it's it's a frightening frightening task and and, and it, it it really crushes people's souls as 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 we've seen with the news today of uh Aidan Markram well yeah <laughs> yeah he's a uh... <laughs> Uh, if, if you haven't seen uh, the, the, the statement from South Africa is great uh, so he, he essentially he punched a wall because he was a bit annoyed with himself and broke his hand and they phrased it as a uh, in a moment of frustration with his own performance he lashed out at a solid object resulting in his injury which is a uh, so just even though it's all technically true it does somehow moot it down uh, Tara have you ever you ever uh, punched a wall in a moment of frustration with your own performance or or otherwise uh, I haven't um I haven't yet. No. Uh, Were you close to yesterday at the mock draft? <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I mean, we we nearly get to blows, don't we? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I get. Do I count as a solid object? Uh, careful, careful what you say. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for me, the uh, the thing with that the second test match is that actually uh, it was South Africa's quicks were out bowled as well by the Indian quicks, and they've obviously. I mean, we know how good the likes of Jasper and Mohammed Shami are. 
like we kind of know it in our heads but it's still in our hearts you kind of think that on a green surface that South Africa will still find a way to get past them and that's just not the case anymore and you wonder if there was that test series at the beginning of of last year that was played on some like some green mumbers I guess you'd call them uh and South Africa had enough to get past India on that occasion uh but now if you played that now I'd, I'd I don't think they would. I think India would beat most sides in most conditions at the moment. I mean, it's not just that they have a um, a, a strong first choice eleven when whenever mm. they do pick the seamers. They've got quite decent depth now as well. I mean, um, Shadow wouldn't be in that first choice team, would he? Exactly. Just of course, Bumrah is head and shoulders. The, the number one but then Mohamed Shami is a is a terrific bowler himself Ishant Sharma can kind uh, of do it everywhere yeah Ishant Sharma is uh, has been a re- revelation over the last few years I mean you, you looked at his career a few years ago and thought where, where where's this man going but I guess you know the way they've rotated their quicks I know the uh, the horses for courses policies is common the criticism sometimes for India but um, in terms of their, their fast bowlers I think it's worked a treat mm, yeah and uh this does, of course, mean that India have maintained their perfect World Test Championship record. I think if they win the final test of the series, uh, they will have more points in the World Test Championship than all the other teams combined, which is, <laughs> which is quite impressive. Well, Kohli has some interesting comments, didn't he? Yes, um, he did. He, he suggested that away wins should count as double, which, considering India are the most home-dominant team in the world, is kind of a maybe a laudable thing It's a, it's a very say. dominant statement, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's true. It's <laughs> like, yeah, we'll, we'll, even if you kind of tie one hand behind our back, we'll beat with the other one kind yeah, of thing. Exactly, yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess, uh, so a few the, the hirings and firings from around the world. Uh, first one, Andy Flower has left the ECB. What what was his, his eventual job title at the point when he left? Do you remember that? Well, in the statement, they just said that he'd been coaching England Lions for, for the last few years. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, I've seen various titles for what he had, sort of technical director. Um, but the actual statement that uh, announced him, him leaving just said he'd been coaching England Lions for the last four years. It's quite curious. I mean, Andy Flower left, um, you know, he was at, he stepped down as England head coach at the start of 2014. Yeah. Um, and he's still sort of been around, sort of like this lurking shadow. Yeah, a slightly ominous presence, hasn't yeah. he? And I think... I don't know if it's if it stopped England from like fully moving on from that era, but now I mean with a new head coach and Ashley Giles kind of stamping down his authority. I guess also a new kind of more junior head coach in a way as well. It's a uh, yeah, it's kind of all changed at the ECB and it feels like very much Ashley Giles's organisation now. I guess. Yeah, I guess it's you know you imagine there's some sort of weird weird power dynamics there, especially with the. Um, Giles's history, um, having been the, the the ODI coach to to Flowers' mm. test coach, and then suddenly becoming, you know, Flowers, you know, Flowers' boss. It, it's a it's a strange one, but yeah, twelve years. I mean, and we, we should we shouldn't diminish his achievements as achievements as are, coach. Yeah, like I just said a few minutes ago, the the only England side, the only side to go to India, win a Test series this decade, England, Andy Flowers, England. Um, I still feel, even with the achievements of Trevor Bayliss winning the World Cup, um, Andy Flower is England's greatest ever head coach. What they did when they went to Australia, three innings victories to to win that series, to go to the top of the world, to also, you know, England haven't always been a terrible white ball side before Trevor Bayliss. Um, They won the 2010 World T20, um, and that was Andy Flower's side again. Mm. Um, His achievements are extraordinary. Yeah, okay. Uh, And then... In other head coach news, Phil Simmons has been rehired as head coach of the West Indies men's team a matter of months after an 
uh, a wrongful dismissal claim that he filed against the West Indies Cricket Board was settled in his favour. So that's I mean, there's, a, there's a terrific picture of Phil Simmons shaking the hand of one of the West Indies chief execs after after the claim settled and uh, all, all smiles and I guess I guess they're smiling again now. He's he's back as head coach. Yeah, uh, did did all right the first time round. They won the they won the World T Twenty. Well, he did. I think it was interesting because there is a bit of a managerial merry-go-round in international cricket, as there kind of is in kind of the bottom half of the uh, the English Premier League, <laughs> yeah. uh, and you kind of get the same names cropping up each time, and it's it's tempting to kind of view this in the same light and that Phil Simmons is a guy who's kind of had a go and been fired and has like went to Afghanistan and that ended in kind of acrimonious circumstances but I think I I think it's a really really good appointment I've so I, I interviewed him when he was Afghanistan coach and he doesn't give a lot away as an interviewee but I think and he does often come into uh like a sets or collision course with the authorities and the administrative bodies but I think that's because of how closely he sides with the players he's such a like a a player's man and I think he also gets them to believe in themselves sometimes it gets them to believe that their proper team's worthy of of greater things so I'm, I'm so, so the Irish players talk about how he's a brilliant coach to go on tour with because he's so good technically but he'll also not stand up for or not allow anything from the organized side at, at some world cups you might get India get sort of one sort of team bus and uh Ireland would get another like slightly worse one and in the past coach would be like oh you know it's fine it's yeah we, we, we'll, we'll kind of make doing men kind of thing and he just Phil Simmons wouldn't stand for it um so yeah I, I think he's, he's an impressive bloke and it'll be interesting as, especially if he gets his four years in the job with quite a promising West Indies team to see where he can he can take them it sh- should be quite exciting times for, the, for them yeah well the, the ingredients are there um in that West Indies team uh they've had a bit of a strange year they started it off with uh, a test series win over England um, and then had a pretty dismal World Cup, um, but the players, the players, the talent, Hetmeyer, Hope, um, Jason Holder, t- terrific all rounder. Um, Phil Simmons, I, I've, yeah, I mean, I think you're bang on there. Phil Simmons is probably the right man because he's he's been around the block, and now he's probably got a better West Indies side than he had a few years ago. Mm, yeah. Uh, so next on our list to talk about is the. T20 World Cup qualifier when we find out who the teams who'll be trying to take the West Indies crown off them will be. That starts tomorrow, ending a, a drought of 40 hours without any international cricket whatsoever, which we're barely surviving through. But a bit of a, I guess a bit of sad news to start. We're talking about that qualifier is that um, a, f- a few UAE players have been uh, banned from competing in the tournament and thereafter for spot fixing allegations, um, which... Yeah, it's it's not wholly unexpected, both on like a personal point of view. I think the UAE team were implicated in that Al Jazeera documentary that came out a while ago. I, but I think also it's just it's inevitable in general, right? I mean, you've got these huge betting markets on cricket matches where the players themselves aren't earning anywhere near the amount of money that people are making off them playing. And these are people with, you know, families to support, uh, often earning not much, not just compared to what other people are making off them, but in real terms as well, like it's going to end up that like heads will get turned and that's going to happen until you start like having sort of a like paying people equally across the globe Paris Kadka stepping down as a as Nepal captain and he's had a, an, an incredible decade and he's not quite the longest serving captain in Africa I think that's still William Porterfield of Ireland but uh yeah, he's done an incredible job there is uh their first ODI centurion and their first T20I centurion um you, do you know the story of their 
World Cricket League Division 2 campaign from last year, Taha? Uh, no, enlighten so, me, Ben. So this, this was to get to the Cricket World Cup qualifier. And so along the way, they had a last ball win and a one wicket win. And then in the final game against Canada, which I think I think they might have had to tie it to get through or as the game went on because the results elsewhere, it became they had to tie it to go through. But they were chasing 198, I think, and got to 148 for nine. So all out. And then Karen Casey and Sandeep Lamachan added uh, 50 for the last wicket before winning it on the last ball of the game. Possibly possibly the most incredible finish in, in cricket history. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it was, it was that good. And then that kind of team with like... a. If if Afghanistan were kind of the, the rising story of this decade, I think that yeah. Nepal are going to be that of the next, aren't they? And Paris Kadka will have had a a huge influence on their well, on their own. Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you a story. When I when I was a few years younger and, and doing a school project, I lived back in Hong Kong, and I, I, have, a, I have a I have a fondness for that Hong Kong for, for the Hong Kong, for Hong Kong cricket. Um, and I was doing a project, sort of writing match reports based on scorecards of them playing in you know, World Cricket League, something like that. And uh, every time they played Nepal, I'd see this bloke, Paris Kadka, he's hitting runs, he's taking, who is this guy? <laughs> um, and uh, never seen him play, of course. Um, you don't get footage of those, uh, you didn't get footage, footage of those games. Um, but I just thought this bloke's just incredible. Yeah. And, uh, and and so he's proved. Yeah, and, and he's, still, I mean, he's still delivering for them, I think. Uh, so Nepal, I guess that, that is one of, one of the big stories this week, isn't Nepal and Zimbabwe have both been readmitted to the uh, ICC having been suspended. Of course, yeah. Um, and Paris Kekker, I think, sees that as the uh, the start of a, a new era for Nepal, I guess, and thinks that it should be someone else. That was, that's a very selfless sort of statement, isn't yeah, it? Exactly, like, I've yeah, exactly. I've been captain for, yeah, for the tough guy, times. Now, yeah. the good, now the good times, yeah, someone else do it. It's <laughs> yeah, fine. Yeah. And a, a few other bits of news from that uh, ICC board meeting. A few other bits of news from that ICC board meeting. Uh, the prize money for women's events has been increased there's going to be an under 19 women's the 20 world cup from 2021 onwards i think every two years from then on uh, and the big news is that the rule which allowed england to win the world cup final the boundary countback rule has been scrapped and they're now going to play endless super overs until you come out with a winner which is a pro- <laughs> probably a good thing and pro- probably a good thing as well because it makes everyone think that the result was illegitimate in some way which is just quite fun isn't it yeah, I mean, when is this ever going to happen again? Yeah, well, that's the thing. It does. Yeah, it's 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 like edging through first slip, a vacant first slip, and then and then putting a couple of slips, in, isn't it? It's uh, you know, <laughs> the chance is gone, hasn't it? But it's, I mean, I'm I'm quite excited about super over super overs in group stages, um, mm-hmm. because you know why not? That's yeah, we not? we de- yeah. we we definitely love super overs now. Yeah, exactly. uh, especially since uh, yeah, England are apparently incredible at them. And uh, a couple bits of uh, county transfer news to talk about. Um, Ravi Bapara has left Essex after, what, 17 years of uh, incredible contributions and joined Sussex. Um, what do you make of that one? Which is a bit sad, isn't it? I guess you kind of you kind of like the uh, the romantic idea of the, the one club man. Yeah. Um, but, but I, I mean, even Stephen Gerrard played the last year or so in the US, didn't he? Are you, are you basically saying Sussex are like the the LA Galaxy? Well, no, I think I'm saying that Ravi Bapara is Essex's Stephen Gerrard. Which oh, is right. okay, yeah, <laughs> I think it's nice. I feel like that's yeah, that's probably a better, um, better, and better way to go about it. Yeah, I mean, what what a way to go out as well with that that the winning runs in oh, that yeah. in that T20 blast final, and then the wink and kiss at the camera, and then oh, also no, winning no, forget, a championship. Forget the, week, forget the, the runs. Later. It was it was all about the wink and kiss. Um, that was just iconic. Guess, Instantly I, iconic. I guess he, yeah, yeah, I guess he should have just 
said there, I'm I'm off now. Yeah, <laughs> and that would have been quite the quite the exit. Yeah, I think if if we're to be serious for a second, I think that T20 blast campaign actually had in it the seeds of Papara leaving because he was pushed down the order and I think didn't react well at first. He had to kind of sat out a few games when uh, the, move, the move was kind of suggested to him and obviously came back and was kind of player of the match every match from then on almost. But uh, I guess maybe he feels that he can possibly still be more of the main man at Sussex playing week in, week out. It'll be interesting, interesting to see how he gets on down there. Yeah. Uh, and then another transfer news from Sussex, uh, Reese Topley has left the club having signed with them in May or June, was it? After in July, actually, in July, yeah. yeah. After what five stress fractures in a in a in a, in a period of time, and they it's yeah. I, I feel like Sussex probably took a bit of a punt on him and possibly feel that he's now kind of like spurned them a bit. It looks like Surrey are going to be the club to sign him, which is again in a, a as in a from a PR point of view for Surrey is a an interesting one considering how much they pride themselves on on bringing up young players um what 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 have you made of it i guess yeah weird one but i mean it it's okay it's slightly i cannot understand sussex being quite disheartened about it um especially that the injury hell he's gone through um but i guess it's a, it's a good story for english for for english cricket anyway though still Reese topley doing so well when he came back for sussex um and the fact that big clubs still want him, I guess that the, the guy's been through, you know, a lot. And mm. I'd rather not put in such a negative spin on it. People, clubs want him. Sometimes when people go through that many injuries, you, you think, oh, does anyone really want to take a chance on him? But people are. So maybe, you know. Yeah, we, that's we, true. You know. And I mean, I, maybe we shouldn't look at county transfers in general as like, I mean, a bit of scandal has got to be a good thing for cricket. In general, right? <laughs> it, I mean, it, it gets it talked about. It makes it seem like, it, like it, 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 it shows the passions that still still reside that people feel for it. I guess, I guess uh, you, these kind of things. You want county cricket to be a bit more soapy. Yeah, kinda, exactly. That kind of vibe. Exactly yeah. Want, yeah, more uh, sort of notes on on Twitter announcing moves, that kind of thing. Yeah, I would like a spy scandal in the bushes, if possible. Um, someone out at Merchant Taylor's School. <laughs> uh, Paul, Paul Nixon in the bushes seeing, uh, <laughs> seeing what Toby Brennan Jones' new variation is would be incredible I think and it's what the English game is missing yeah. Um, and yeah also for Reese Topley as you say uh, a good personal story for him that he is still in demand and I mean he was uh, it showed promise for England for a time and it's I guess it's not out of the question considering the blast campaign he had that another good blast campaign and then a good 100 campaign and he uh he gets back into that T20 World Cup side. Is that is that is, is there a timeline or not? I mean, he's also so young. Mm. Um, he's had countless injuries, but I mean, he started playing for Essex when he was about sixteen, seventeen. So you know, he's been around a long time, but he's still got he's still got age on his side. Um, and he's also quite a smart bowler. It's not really about being express pace. He's got good variations. Um, there's there are quite a few options out there for him mm. in terms of the T20 World Cup. They've got quite a few left arm options as well. Um, you think Sam Curran, you know, David Willey, Tamal Mills. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I wouldn't say he's, you know, right up there to get into that squad. Um, who knows, maybe Ravi Bapara yeah. continues the continues his good his good form. Absolutely, yeah. Um and uh I guess let's talk about a bit of amusing uh counter transfer news as well, which is uh Peter Trigo is not going to Yorkshire. Uh so was- <laughs> the, the- the explanation for this is quite good, and uh, I feel like you should uh, 
Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll enlighten. I'll enlighten everyone. So, uh, when players have to fill out their form for saying they're going to be entering themselves into the hundred draft, they had to choose which club they're affiliated to. And Peter Trigger, who's released by Somerset into this season, clicks on the thing. Unattached is right next to Yorkshire, and he clicked Yorkshire rather than unattached. So when the draft list was released and people saw Peter Trigo, Yorkshire, they sort of thought, hang on, is, is this happen on <laughs> is this happen on the sly? And they both kind of took to Twitter. I think Yorkshire thanked him for his very brief stint at the club, which was quite amusing. Um but yeah, it's uh yeah. the funny one around, I think. <clears throat> I think I saw a couple of people giving uh, the hundred website um some stick for it. Yeah, they can't win, um, can they? Yeah, yeah no. Peter Trigo's <laughs> filled the form wrong. We've all done it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, there's there's other there's other aspects of the hundred website that can uh, deservedly get some stick, but yeah, but I not. Mean, you should not. you should let them off on that one, I reckon. Yeah, okay. And I guess having spoken about serious transfers and serious injuries, we can talk about another amusing injury as well, which is a uh, Mitch Marsh, uh, like Aidan Markram, punched a wall and and broke his hand. And, and whereas the uh, the Safra statement was kind of like amusingly vague. Uh, what Justin Langer said to him was amusingly to the point where he said, "Yeah, Mitch yeah. said he just told me I'm an idiot, basically, which does sum it up, doesn't he?" And uh, I guess the other thing with that is Tim Payne had said back in September that Marsh was looking to take inspiration from Ben Stokes and has now punched the wall and broken. Yeah, he's his done hand. it, yeah. yeah he's, um, <laughs> very Stokesian. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I kind of just I, I feel for Mitchell Marsh, man. He just um, got back into that test side at the. Uh, at the end of the English summer, and now, uh, now he's you know six weeks out or something like that. Did all right in that Shield game as well. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, but we shouldn't feel too disheartened because he is going to win the 2023 World Cup in an amazing Super Over, and pr- probably the third Super Over of the game as well. If uh, if the new rules anything to yeah. go by, absolutely kill it in an Ashes Test as well. So for, from the ridiculous, I guess, to the sublime, we're now going to bring in Kumar Sangakara, the new president of the MCC and the man with. More international runs than anyone else except, of course, Sachin Tendulkar. Uh, while we were recording last week's podcast, Sri Lanka were just in the process of securing a 3-0 T20i whitewash over Pakistan, uh, the number one T20 side in the world on their own turf. Feels like the latest in a string of positive results for the side, I guess. They beat or drew with New Zealand, overperformed in the World Cup, perhaps. Where do you see the side going? Well, it, it, it was a new side that went to, went to Pakistan. Quite a lot of new faces, a new captain. It was really encouraging to see them beat Pakistan. Uh, as you said, the number one ranked team. They had some great performers. Uh, Banuka Rajapaksa as, as a batsman. Banidu Hasaranga as an all-rounder. The new captain, Dasan Shanaka. So a lot to like. Um, and Danushka Gunatilaka was also very, very impressive. So um, you have uh, the core of the team. Uh, a few of them didn't go. And I think these youngsters can be added around that core to really uh, you know, have, a, have a good, strong team going forward. They're still young. They need to be given consistent opportunities so they can perform uh, and, and, and again be a part of a winning side. So it's going to be a long-term process. and uh, They need to have the backing of the selector so that there's an environment of trust and that will bring about consistent performances. Hmm. Uh, we should talk, I think, about why those players didn't travel. So the likes of Desar Pereira, some of the other senior players, uh, over the security threat in, in Pakistan, I guess. I guess. So you were part of the team in the test match that was abandoned in 2009 are these is this a decision that you that you understand can you see why the players chose what they chose it, to do it, security is a lot about personal comfort as well it doesn't matter how many times someone tells you it's safe you have to be able to make up your mind to go and i'm very very glad that a lot of the players did uh, because it is an important thing to be able 
uh, for cricket to return to Pakistan. It is also imperative that the that the home government and the home board does uh, put in place the necessary security measures to ensure that tours go ahead without incident. And uh, even the MCC has been talking about a, a tour to Pakistan and and we're just awaiting security reports and so on and so forth to ensure that you know, it, it is secure and, and, and that particular tour can go ahead. And I'm looking forward to, to going back to Pakistan as well. Um, uh, but, you know, having said that, again, um, what you will find is around the world, um, you know, there, there, there are instances when people feel threatened and unsafe. It is not just in Pakistan. Um, and it is, again, uh, the, the measure of, of, of the... Uh, contingencies in place and also the attitude of the people as well uh, to decide um, to, to live their lives as they should. Mm, yeah and as you say it's such a personal choice the players have to make if if they feel safe or not and so you can have kind of all the the security and the safeguards in the world but the it's these statement tours in a way that are going to be what players look at. And Ab- feel. Absolutely the initial foray is, is so important mm-hmm. because the feed from back from that the confidence the feedback you know inspires uh, you know, players coming back and sharing their experiences. You know, it's the same for a visitor to a country as well. It's about, you know, going there, experiencing it, taking that positivity back, telling your friends and family about it, you know, putting it on social media, encouraging other people to come and, you know, share that experience. All of that is really important in actually setting the stage for other tours to Pakistan, so on and so forth. Yeah, yeah okay. And is that something that you feel like it's would have been benefited a lot by this story like the words like presidential level security of what people have have said so do you think some of the some of these players might choose differently next time is it yeah, it's progressing I, I, towards absolutely absolutely i have no doubt that they will um and uh, you know discussions about that will always be ongoing and decisions will be you know will be made um, you know as players see fit as home boards see fit but i see this as a very very positive first step yeah and as you said earlier it's not obviously not just a, a, a Pakistani problem, terrorism happens around the world. And I know that you're part of the effort to kind of, is it is rebuild tourism in Sri Lanka? Is that the right phrase to use after the, um, the attacks? He, yes, Easter? rebuild would probably, or revitalize mm-hmm. would, would be a, probably a better word. We still have, you know, quite a few tourists coming. I mean, I mean, in the last two weeks, I saw firsthand so many more tourists on the roads, walking around, uh, you know, experiencing Sri Lanka. And that was wonderful to see, not just in Colombo as a capital, but also down the down the southern coast because the season for the southern coast is is just about to start Um, so it is important that that message is carried across and also the fact that sri lanka is absolutely safe and secure and and ready to welcome more and more visitors from around the world and it's especially relevant to the uk market our third biggest market in terms of tourism Uh, 225,000 tourists uh, from the uk come there we have a huge amount of expats who still live in, in Sri Lanka, mm. and they have lived there for many, many years um, through through the good times and the bad. England is going to tour uh, next year as well in March, so that's that's a, a great way to highlight not just cricketing ties, but also the country to the, 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 the tourists that will follow the tour. Um, so, you know, I'm just here to encourage uh, the tourists from the UK and around the world to come and experience Sri Lanka because there's so much to do, so much to see. Um, And a lot of people over the years have associated Sri Lanka with tea and cricket. Uh, But that is just not the case. You know, you can, yeah, you know, you want to visit historical sites, world heritage sites, you know, sites that are 
2,000 years old or plus. Um, you want to see wildlife. Um, you want to see blue whales or, or dolphins. Um, it's it just or immerse yourself in, in, in just the natural beauty of the country. Uh, it's, it's very diverse, very unique and absolutely stunning. Yeah. And as you mentioned, you're so have you just started as, as president of the uh, MCS or is that just about to happen? Or is I, I took over on the 1st of October. Okay, so, so, you've, so you've just started there. Do you kind of see as the first non-British president, do you have a responsibility to take a more kind of international view? And in- I, 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 I think MCC is a global cricket club. Uh, you know, it's got 18,000 plus members, uh, over 5,000 associate members. Uh, not just from the UK, but also from without. So it's really important that the, the club keeps understanding, yes, it is a private members club, it is a cricket club at heart, but its responsibilities are to the game at large and to cricket in terms of, 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 of world cricket. Uh, guardians of the spirit, guardians of the laws, and at the same time, in, in times like this, with you know so much spoken about test cricket being in, in strife, to take uh, the leadership along with the ICC to, to positively influence the growth and the s- sustainability of, of every format of cricket. Mm. And I know with the, with the American presidency, they talk about the first 100 days being when you actually get, get all your work done. What's your kind of uh, your, your main goals for your first, uh, your first period in office, yeah, I guess? I'm sure it won't be as volatile, <laughs> fingers crossed. But uh, it's again to focus on the connection of, of, of younger fans, uh, different communities in the UK with cricket. And of course, the global legacy tours and to keep Lords at the forefront of being a nurturing ground for, for talent across the world to come um, and, and foster that talent and, and, and display it to the world. I mean, from Afghanistan to Ireland to, uh, to um, Nepal, all of these countries have benefited hugely from the exposure that Lords can give its facilities, um, MCC Foundation. So there's a lot of work, good work that it's doing and more work to be done. Yeah. And... I guess the MCC's role as, as a sort of guardian of the game as well feels like now is a particularly volatile time, perhaps. Maybe volatile is not the right word, but you have these new formats coming up. You have people kind of questioning the sort of the long-term existence of, of Test cricket and that sort of thing. How do you kind of see, I guess, in terms of the 100, the T's, and how do you see them fitting into the into the puzzle, I guess? Well, I think the, the vindication of the 100 will be in terms of delivery, ensuring that the cricket's of the highest standard. It connects with the communities across the UK. It connects with the young urban fans. Uh, we have so many diverse international stars coming and playing, um, and that it's a format that it's easy to understand. It's exciting, uh, and it really inspires uh, the younger generation to take up watching the game and actually playing it both boys and girls. Um, and I think it's, it's a really exciting time. Uh, volatility is, is not always negative. And I think in this sense of the word, in, 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 in this context in terms of cricket, uh, volatility is very good and it actually challenges institutions such as MCC, such as ICC and all home boards uh, to really up their game. Thanks. Thanks very much for joining us, Kuma. Thank you. Back in the studio with Taha. Taha, you've Having done the mock 100 draft, you're doing the, the proper 100 draft on Sunday. Are you, uh, you looking forward to it? You know what? I actually am because I kind of have an understanding of what is going on. Um, I went to the CPL auction, uh, a CPL draft, sorry, um, a few months ago. And uh, um, as anyone who's been there will tell you, you, you kind of, you have no idea what's really going on. Someone keeps announcing things, but they've got a camera on a few people behind some computers and, and 
things just get shouted out. Um, the hundred draft, I feel like there's a there's some some structure to it, and uh, yeah, I, I guess having seen the picks that were made yesterday, we've got quite a bit of an understanding of what might actually might actually go down. Um, a few big names are are, are going to miss out, I think. Um, I mean, they will. Um, but yeah, I I am excited to to make the trip down to Sky Sports Studios. Well, that's the thing. I think the Sky thing is important. It's not just going to be a live stream on kind of the ECB site. Yeah. You're going to have a... Ish- oh, there'll be e- Razzmatazz to it. Yeah. Um, Who is yeah, it? Get- Ishigur and, uh, and Ian Ward yeah. are the two Mark, presenters. Mark Wood is commentating for the BC- BBC. Uh, and in the draft and himself. And in the draft himself. Yeah, you might have to commentate on himself not getting picked up in the draft. Oh, he probably will get picked I mean, up. He, but, he will get picked up. But surely. either way, his reaction will be will we want to follow. So, yeah, yeah I mean... Uh, it feels like we're getting a bit swept up in the 100 now. Uh <laughs> And I, I kind of think this might be how it happens for a few people that as the kind of the details get clarified and people realise the cricket's going to be really high quality yeah. and that it's going to be quality cricket, but that also the innovations are actually innovations. The 10 ball yeah. overs are quite interesting because you might have people bowling 20 out of the first 25 or 20 out of the last 25 or or what have you. Um, there are, I think we shouldn't lose in this the concerns that people have about the 100, which is about what it could do to the county game, that this could be the move towards eight super counties and yeah. the rest kind of thing um but also we do have to look at it as a legitimate cricket tournament which is what it is as well as looking at the implications of it i guess yeah and when you see those those names come up um you know warner rashid khan um you know that if you're a cricket fan you're gonna get surely you're gonna be a bit excited um regardless of your your reservations um and yeah i guess it is the fact that it is becoming real and we're getting closer to actually seeing cricket rather than just general marketing chat and all that kind of thing and, and launches and all that kind of thing. Um, yeah, you mean it's it's becoming easier to, to look forward to it. Good. Well, I think that's a, that's a nice note to end on. Taha, thank you very much for joining me. This has been the Wisdom Cricket Weekly Podcast. If you enjoyed it, please tell your friends about it and subscribe. Podcast Network.